0: Hi everybody, Jim here from the Physiomatics team and I just want to check in before we start this podcast to let you know that Serena, who is the guest today on Chewing It Over, who, as you listen to the podcast, will realise is absolutely excellent. She's got a course coming up and the reason I'm doing this before uh, the podcast is that it starts very, very soon. So it's on the 5th of June, which is just over a week from the podcast release date. So there are further details in in the notes for wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. But basically, it is behavior change interventions for healthcare practitioners and coaches. Starts on the 5th of June and it's online, so you don't have to go anywhere. And we have got a discount code for you. Um, just use the code TLIVE50 and you get £50 off the cost. So, full details in the notes or you can type in thepsychologyschool.co forward slash online hyphen course and that'll get you all the information. Hello everybody, welcome back to Chewing It Over. It's Jack March here from the team and I'm joined by Serena Simmons, which I'm really excited about. So Serena, what is behaviour change?
1: I feel like that's a trick question, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> behaviour change is literally what it says on the tin. So helping someone change their behaviours. But for, first, you would have to change kind of thoughts and feelings around that behaviour. And for me, a key thing would be to help them really sustain that for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, so I suppose there's two, two, di- there's two different ways of changing someone's behaviour, isn't there? You could change it for today, um, but then probably in a healthcare setting, that's not going to do that much.
1: You're right. It, it. I don't think it really truly helps a person on a deeper level. I think anyone can get someone to change something superficially. Um. And if you want to go more into the psychology of why that might happen, that's also really interesting to me because you will get people that are compliant just for the sake of being compliant. So they'll want to maybe people please so do what you've told them to do, like as, as an authority figure. So they might sustain that behavior for the mm. period of time that you're working with them, but you're not really helping them for their long-term health and kind of the overall outcomes for their overall health as they as they age. So I would be more of the inclination that we should do long-term sustained behavior change practices.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, makes sense to me. Um, so you're obviously speaking on Therapy Live in June um, and you're going to be discussing behavior change. Do you want to tell us and the audience a little bit about you and why that's your sort of area of expertise?
1: Yeah, I never know how far back to go with this question.
0: (laughs) As far as you deem appropriate.
1: (laughs) It feels like once upon a time, I was a little girl who loved psychology. (laughs) Um, But for a little bit of background, I have genuinely always been very fascinated by what I call the dark and the light side of psychology. Um, So I did my undergrad degrees. I did a psychology, BSc psychology degree and a BA in Crim. So criminology and my master's in forensic psychology. Um and that's pertinent because um most of my background in terms of work is forensic psychology. So my area of speciality um prior to entering healthcare was actually serial murder. Um, so <laughs> there is a link. Um, So, again, being very interested in that motivational spectrum of behaviour, so why people behave really, really badly, but what we can do to enhance performance and peak perform and do really, really well. Um, I'm going to steal a phrase from my early PhD supervisor who said, um, I'm interested in why people, some turn out to be Old Mar Theresa and some Old Mar Hindley, and I think I totally take that from him. So really interested in that darker and lighter side of psychology Um, And arguably, having worked in forensic psychology for so long, they are one of the most difficult groups to change behaviour in. So I worked for a long time for the prison service um, and worked, I was thrown in at the deep end for a first job and managed all of the cognitive behavioural programmes being run in England and Welsh prisons. Um, went into practice at a practice role at Rampton Hospital so I had a good kind of like 15 years of clinical practice under my belt before I became a senior psychology lecturer which I've done for a long time 17 years and it's really from that background that healthcare found me really I think it was more and more people wanted to know how they could implement this kind of learning around behaviour change so, what I've taken from forensic and positive psychology and implement that in a really positive way in the healthcare setting. So, it was more that physiotherapists and doctors and surgeons were coming to me saying, How can I use that with my patients? Um, and I have to be honest, I avoided it for quite a while. <laughs> They say your niche finds you, and I think it really did. So, enough people came my way that I thought, you know, this is a really powerful, positive way of helping people. Mm. And it's really from there that I've ended up uh, very happily working predominantly now in healthcare.
0: Yeah, brilliant. That's an absolutely fascinating journey. Um, what's your experience then working with these healthcare uh, professionals? Do you find that they are decent at behavior change, or are they? rubbish at behavior because it's something that like we alluded to we all try to do with a lot of patients if not all of them is to try and even even in the short term change their behavior maybe to do some specific rehab exercises or in the longer term to try and change their general health outcomes maybe what yeah. do you what's your sort of you know as an average um do, or do we seem quite good at behavior change or is there a lot of sort of molding you need to do to get us there.
1: You've not not set me up to win friends and influence people. (laughs) 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 To be honest with you, I think, as I say about when you look at anyone and their psychology and what they do in life, I always say we can only do the best we can with what we were given. So I think any practitioner I encounter only does the best they can. So I can't fault anyone I've met. And to be biased when people come to my training, it's because they have a deep desire to want to learn more. That, with that said, not to be too negative, I think the bigger issue for me is I do see, obviously, a lot of practitioners that struggle with this. Mm. They want to know how to help their patients and their clients. They want to know how to help them sustain a change. Um, and it's really frustrating for them when they don't seem motivated to help themselves. So the issue I have with that isn't the practitioner. It's the fact that having done this for so long now, that the practitioners are telling me that this isn't a part of their initial training. And that blows my tiny brain, because if you're working with human beings, how is psychology not embedded into the training in a deeper, more meaningful way? So I think it's more of a fault of the training potentially that people get in that I just think there should be more psychology Um, to help people understand first how someone thinks and feels and behaves to then approach the physical. Because as when I train, I always start with the fact that everything starts with how you feel and think. So we first have to be mindful of that to be able to help someone to infiltrate their thinking and feeling so that we can help them. So I think it's more about the training that we get. Um, And, you know, there are some practitioners who said, I had some psychology and it was really helpful, or I did a module and it's really helpful, but again, I haven't really heard that there's been an integration of kind of up-leveling through the years of their training to help them scaffold that conversation that undoubtedly you're having because so many practitioners I encounter – sorry, I'm on a roll now. No, go for it. you open the can of worms. <laughs> um, I just really hear how unconfident people feel when they have some of these conversations. They don't know what to say to people because people aren't just presenting with their physical issue. They never really are just coming and saying, I've got a sore knee or I've got a sore shoulder, it's all the other stuff that you're dealing with. It's the whole person. So to feel confident and comfortable about how you treat the whole person more holistically, while staying within your zone of genius and tackling the bit that you're empowered to to treat is what I think I want to help people do.
0: Mm. Yeah, that mirrors my experience, I must admit. Um, I did my training a few years ago, um now and um i remember we had a uh, some sort of introductory psychology module maybe in our first year and i couldn't tell you what was in it um so that's yeah. obviously stuck with me um and then yeah you do go into clinical practice and then you're trying to change all these things and yeah. um i think you when i was younger i just sort of assumed people would turn up and then change i don't know if that, mm-hmm. if that was completely naive or sort of what most people think um so what tell us obviously we talked to we alluded to it as well you're speaking at therapy life what kind of things are you gonna um speak to us about in that presentation
1: yeah so i think the title that we've gone for has it's the fundamentals of behavior change so what i want to do is give people a lot more insight i mean my area i'm a chartered psychologist so you know there are loads of other practitioners and loads of other amazing tools out there that you can get elsewhere Um, that look at kind of more of the basic theories around behavior change, like, uh, you know, being capable and motivated and opportunity, all those things. But I want to go deeper into the psychology. And I think for me, that's where a big unlock can happen. So I want to just give people more of an insight into maybe why someone may engage with you also why someone might not engage with you and what I want to do is give people a couple of really quick tools that they can use to start that process to feel more confident and comfortable Um, and I would say a big difference in terms of the training I provide and that's what I want to kind of put into this presentation to help people is and it's a bit sneaky is I don't just work on upskilling you as a practitioner I look at you as the practitioner because so I think the p- thing that we forget is this is just as much about your own psychology and what you bring to the table as what the patient brings and I think again that's where a lot of other training and programs and maybe they're great so again it's not a criticism of anything else because it's it's all tools at the end of the day that you can pull out the bag and we need all the tools that we can get But I think, again, I'm very passionate about you upskilling yourself and feeling confident in yourself and looking at some of the things that you bring as a practitioner. So when you don't feel confident, why don't you feel confident? And can I help you unpick that so that you're not showing up as that vulnerable practitioner? And that's the powerful unlock, actually, a lot of the time. So we're going to cover some basic psychology, a few tools and a little bit of insight into what you bring to the table.
0: Sounds very meta that you're behavior changing (laughs) clinicians to enable them to behavior change their patients.
1: Well, it starts with you. It starts (laughs) with the practitioner. It's not just about giving you the tools. It's because it's human to human interaction, it gets messy. So, you and maybe you can uh, say that you've experienced it, but sometimes we can get triggered by our patients or sometimes we feel frustrated with them. Mm -hmm. Now, if it wasn't meaningful to us, that wouldn't happen. So if you can build a resilience and an understanding of yourself first, it really helps and impacts how you deal with other people. It also, it also, and this is something I'm really deeply passionate about, because you see it a lot in healthcare. And a big part of my training is looking at this kind of um, theory, but looking at the rescuer in healthcare. So a lot mm-hmm. of practitioners that I work with want to do everything for their patient. And actually that really impedes someone's progression. So if you're showing up as a rescuer in terms of your own psychology, what can we do to create those professional boundaries so that you stay within your scope of practice? So that's why the psychology is so powerful. So it's taught to understand the patient. But at the same time, I always talk about integrated practice. You have to become an integrated practitioner to do your best work and to help the patient.
0: Mm. I mean, it sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm sold. I you know?
1: oh, yes. Um Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. We were just talking off air, weren't we? I don't, I don't see that many patients anymore. As, uh, so, um, and um, my specialty is more in differential diagnosis than it is in in management. So, is um, it's, it's not necessarily something that. Um, I need to employ a lot of because uh-huh. I send them elsewhere to do that. Um, but even so, absolutely, uh, sounds absolutely fascinating. And and certainly makes me think of the sort of the people that are attracted to a healthcare yeah profession fits yeah. a lot of those boxes you've just been, you've just been mentioning as well. Um, and I think, yeah. Uh, I mean, what, obviously one of the reasons we wanted to get you onto the program was to bring some of this across. And I think what we hear a lot of is, We hear a lot of information come across to us about how we should be instigating long-term behaviour change. And here are some things in which you might want to instigate behaviour change. And then the mechanics of doing such a thing are maybe paid lip service too, because as you said, we don't have that skill set necessarily.
1: Amen. In fact, my blog is coming out on this very thing tomorrow. I'm literally writing about that. Just in terms of, again, I think the thing I feel... I feel for you on like people in healthcare is you're told use the biopsychosocial model, you know, look at your patient holistically, but you're not told how (laughs) you're told what you're told you really should do that. You know, you really should think about how to motivate your patients and you really should think about potentially that they might have mental health issues or they're a whole and complete person. To think about that work with it and then that's it you're not told really the how and i think again that's the bit that i want to pull the veil back on um and just for me i think psychologists are really naughty at kind of gatekeeping information it feels like everything's behind kind of smoke and mirrors and we do these secret things so i just really want to be really transparent about what we do and how we work And to give people tools that are psychological tools, but they don't have to use them. But knowledge is power. So you know how it would work. So that you know, ah, that's what it would do. That's not my scope of practice, but I understand why someone might be presenting like that now. And now I know that that's when I refer on. So again, upskilling in that way. So you know what's your remit and you know what isn't. Because the other thing is not everyone will change. And that's the other thing to really get your head around is not everyone will make the change. And sometimes, you know what, again, just to get a bit woo-woo on you, sometimes it's just what I say is divine timing. It's just not the right time for someone to make that change. So, again, I'm sure there are practitioners that will be listening that have had someone come back to them after six months or a year. So they've had time to embed some information, think about it a little bit do some of the work that maybe you've set up with the conversations that you've had early on in your interaction. And now they've embedded that and they want to come back and now they're ready. So there's loads of other factors that might mean they won't engage. And that, again, isn't your issue. You can only do what you can do. So, again, to help those practitioners feel confident that they've done all they can, I think is really important.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, really looking forward to this session. I think it's going to be super useful. Um, so just to finish this off, where can people find out more about you? You mentioned a blog, etc.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm really bad at remembering all these things. Okay, so Instagram is Serena Psychologist. So I'm on there all the time. Although please forgive me, it's mostly my dog <laughs> <laughs> and me wild swimming and doing cold water immersion. But other than that, I, I do talk about my work. Um, I have an upcoming course that starts 5th of June, which is a behavior change interventions course for healthcare practitioners. And you can find that on my website at psychology Um yep. And then Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere else is the same stream psychologist, pretty much.
0: Brilliant. We'll put some links and stuff into that, into thank the description of this. Um, yeah, Brilliant. So Therapy Live is 24th of June. Serena will be there along with uh, about 43 other speakers. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, so can't wait for that. And thank you for joining me for this, Serena, and look forward to seeing you in June.
1: Absolute pleasure. Can't wait. Thank you so much.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> test don't guess we all know that and we want you to test better vald dynamo is a dynamometer specifically designed for msk healthcare it isn't a repurposed crane gauge or an inaccurate grip measure you can push pull grip and more plus if that wasn't enough its app for recording and storing the data is just brilliant valdhealth.com forward slash dynamo for the only measurement device you're going to need in clinic